0: And welcome to this week's podcast for St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. This week's sermon is entitled "In Between," and is based on Revelation chapter one, verses six through eight. It was preached by Pastor Carl Copeland. If you've uh, ever had a chance to come by my office, uh, it should be no surprise. I love to read. I've got a lot of books. My wife says too many, but I have a lot of books. Uh, In my office here at the school, I have Bibles and Bible commentaries. I've got devotional books and hymnals. I have worship and classroom material. I have Bible history and uh, counseling books, uh, preaching and leadership books and videos and DVDs and other Bible study materials. Now, I have some of those at home too, but... I also have shelves of books that I have read or will be reading for pleasure. Uh, I enjoy science fiction and fantasy, adventure and mysteries. Now, when you got a good mystery, that's something that really draws you in, isn't it? Whether it's a, whether it's a mystery, uh, a, a mystery book, a book about mysteries or, or a TV show or movie. Uh, these, those kind of things draw you in, don't they? You, you got the criminal that's made clear at the very beginning and the, the whole book or the whole show is, all about trying to get them stopped. And then, of course, what happens? At the end, there's always that, that twist, isn't there? Uh, the, that a lot that happens there between the, the first and the last chapter, and then the end, the person that I was named at the very beginning of the book ends up being the victim of the real crime, right? The victim of the real criminal. And so at the end of the book, there usually that explanation by the investigator that that talks about all their conclusions and how everything fell into place. Now, over the years, we've had a lot of TV programs that follow similar patterns. Let's uh, stretch back a little bit. How about Murder, She Wrote? Yeah, uh, Angela Lansbury, a writer of uh, mystery novels who had the happy knack of, of solving crimes when the police couldn't. Or there was that disheveled uh, detective named Columbo uh, who uh, who solve the most difficult of cases. Now, in our day and age, there's a lot of other ones as well. We've got Law and Order and Criminal Minds and CSI and NCIS of all the different varieties there. Even Hallmark Channel. They've got a Hallmark Murder and Mysteries Channel uh, that gives you plenty of this kind of programming. You might wonder what makes these books or shows so appealing. I think it's because each episode is... Pretty predictable, right? I mean, they start with a crime and they finish with uh, someone being named and arrested, right? Maybe the appeal in this program, these kind of programs, these kind of shows or books is that evil always gets punished. That satisfies our sense of justice. Maybe we like these kind of stories because the ending is so predictable. And and we don't like the feeling of being left up in the air, you know? Uh, Some movies do this. I don't know if you've had this. I know I have. Where you where you sit, the screen credits are rolling, and you're going, is that it? Come on, you know, give me a little bit more here. I, you know, we want some kind of conclusion. You leave me hanging. Another reason we like these kind of stories is that even though the beginning and the ending are uh, predictable, we really want to see how it all unfolds, right? Now, as you read the Bible, and if you listen to sermons from this pulpit, you know the world will come to an end. Peter tells us this in Second Peter chapter 3, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. We know Jesus will return. Those who trust in him, as we confess in the creeds, are, are bodily resurrected into a new life in the new heavens and the new earth. We know that our lives on this earth will Come a, one, one day come to an end nothing more certain than our death the story of every human being on this planet we're born and we die now that might sound scary it might even sound fatalistic or depressing but the real part the real interesting part of life is what happens in between right in between our beginning and our end. how will our story unfold between now and that day The future is always an interesting topic because we really want to know what's in store for us, right? I mean, young people may or may not have any idea of what they would like to do when they leave school. I mean, is it a college degree? Uh, Will they learn a job? Will they get a trade? Well, what kind of job should they be looking for? Where where will their job take them? What will they be doing in five years, or two years, five years, and ten years from now? For those that are looking toward retiring, they ask those questions too, right? How much time do we have left to get the, to, to do the things we want to get done? Where will we retire? Uh, will we have good health in our retirement? Will we travel? What will we be doing in two years, five years, ten years' time? For those that are a little bit older in years, uh, maybe it's a long time since their birth and uh, the end of life is drawing a little bit closer. They ask, will we still be here in two years or five years' time? Uh, ten might be pushing you a little bit, you know? We're worried about the world. We're worried about what is happening, too. Uh, from, from all different kinds of things, from civility and politics to terrorism around the world, from elections to uh, global unrest and, and politics there, from, from economies at home to e- economic struggles in the world from the political dynamics of our own city and state to those around our nation for the for those who from the desire to follow christ and his word to the political crowd that wants to go its own direction do its own thing using its own truth so many questions and also so many worries what about you what lies ahead for you in the future would you like to know we want to know don't we we may have definite plans for our future but there's no guarantee those will be fulfilled and you know, if we look back over the past year i'm sure all of us would be able to say that we've had things happen that were not planned you know maybe it was a surgery a death a tragedy or maybe just small things having having your car uh, at the body shop a disagreement with a neighbor neighbor a, uh, this is the surprise arrival of a grandchild, or, or maybe, the, maybe it's the sudden death of a, a family member or a dear friend. As I said, we all know how the story of our lives will end. But just what events will fill our lives in between now and the day we take our last breath can be scary stuff. The same can be said about what will happen in the world between now and the end. Jesus says that there will be earthquakes and wars, persecutions and famines, false teachers who will lead people astray, uh, catastrophes in the stars and the planets. As Pastor Hanel said last week, everything will become unglued, right? Uh, these, are the things, these are the signs that we are in the last days when Jesus will come back. He says these things will be like the first ba- pains of childbirth you know and, and so if you look at the history of the world since that time when jesus said that we've experienced a lot of these things already haven't we but more is yet to come like the intensifying pains uh, uh, mother's labor pains even worse things will happen before jesus comes again and brings in a new heaven and a new earth And since we don't know exactly when Jesus will return, we wonder how long and how intense these disasters on earth will come. We wonder how will this affect all of us and those that we love. We wonder what world world events will fill our, our newspapers and online reading between now and Jesus' return. We wonder, will there be peace in our land? Will it last? We wonder, will there be any peace in the world at all? We wonder what kind of natural disasters may come our way in the future. We wonder how hard it will be for us to live out our Christian faith in this increasingly secular society in which we live. Just like the mystery crime stories, we really know how the world will end, but it's what happens in between, right? Now and then that worries us. How will we survive what happens between now and then? See, that's the question that is foremost in the minds of the Christians who read the book of Revelation for the first time. The Emperor Domitian, Roman Emperor Domitian uh, declared himself Lord and God. He launched a full-scale attack on Christians, torturing those that would not recognize him as God, as emperor and as God, and, and for them to renounce their allegiance to Jesus Christ. All he had to do was uh, offer up some incense to another God. To forsake and reject Jesus, and they would be spared. You know, I, I know I've mentioned a lot of times in Bible classes and in sermons, but but uh, uh, it is such a great book, uh, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Uh, but it's important to see how the early church faced these trials and how they held on to Jesus. I want to share some of those stories with you. Timothy, the celebrated disciple of Saint Paul, the Bishop of Ephesus, where he governed the church until 97 A.D. At this period, pagans were about to celebrate a feast, and he, he met the procession and severely reproved them for their ridiculous idolatry. It so exasperated the people that they came upon him and fell upon him with clubs and beat him so dreadfully that he died two days later. Germanicus, a young man, a true Christian, he was delivered to the wild beasts on account of his faith behaved in such astonishing courage that several pagans became converts to a faith that inspired such perseverance. Felicitas, a respected Roman lady, uh, uh, most shining virtues, as it is written, was a devout Christian. She had seven sons whom she educated by their most righteous example. Genuarius, the eldest, scourged and pressed to death with weights. Felix and Philip, they had their brains dashed out with clubs. Silvanus, the fourth murdered, being thrown from a high place. The three younger sons, Alexander, Vitalis, and Marshall, were beheaded, and their mother then was beheaded with the same sword. You know, it's been said that the lives of the early Christians consisted of persecution above ground and prayer below ground because their lives were expressed uh, were not only in the Colosseum, but also in the catacombs. Beneath Rome there are those excavations called the catacombs, which were once uh, sometimes temples and tombs, uh, some 60 catacombs near near Rome, 600 miles of galleries traced, but that's not all. The galleries are about 8 feet high, 3 to 5 feet wide, and, and containing on either side these several rows of long uh, horizontal recesses, one on top of another like berths in a ship. And Dead bodies were placed in there and the front was closed in uh, with uh, either a single marble slab or by several tiles uh, laid in mortar. And on these slabs or tiles were epitaphs or symbols uh, which were engraved or painted. Pagans and Christians buried their dead in the catacombs. And when the Christian graves were open, the skeletons told a terrible tale, heads severed from bodies, ribs and shoulder blades broken bones often burned with fire but despite that horrible story of persecution inscriptions talk about a peace and a joy and a triumph in the midst of that here lies marcia put to rest in a dream of peace to lawrence to his sweetest son born away of the angels victorious in peace and victorious in christ being called away he went in peace Now remember, when reading these inscriptions, the the skeletons tell of of persecution and torture and fire. But really, you see the full force of this when you contrast it with the pagan epitaphs. Live for the present hour, since we are sure of nothing else. I lift my hand against the gods who took me away at the age of 20, though I had done no harm. Once I was not, now I am not. I know nothing about it and it is no concern of mine. Traveler, curse me not as you pass, for I am in darkness and cannot answer. You see, the most frequent Christian symbols on the walls of the catacombs are the good shepherd with the lamb in his arms, a ship under full sail, harps and anchors and crowns and vines and, of course, the fish. Those early Christians knew that Jesus Christ would come again soon, And they lived in the hope that his return would be sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, they must have wondered how they were going to get through this terrible thing. Would they have the stamina and courage to remain faithful to their Savior? They needed as much encouragement as possible, and to help those suffering, Jesus appears to John in a vision, a revelation. And John's exiled on the island of Patmos, and, and, and we read the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what soon must take place. That's verse 1. What follows in the book of Revelation are words of reassurance, words of hope, and a reminder to Christians, early Christians, and to us, that we're not alone as we face everything that happens in between now and the time Jesus returns. When things are uncertain, when dangers are lurking ahead that threaten and hurt us, There's nothing better than knowing that there's someone who has control over all the events of history. In our reading today, John writes, Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. From the seven spirits before his throne, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. John reminds us that we are living in between, in between now and the second coming of Jesus, that God is eternally present in that time, always there to help his people. That Jesus himself is witness to the fact that evil has been defeated. Jesus is more powerful than death itself, and he will raise to life those who die in between now and then. And that Jesus is the king of kings, that he is Lord, even of the rulers who hate him and his followers. And when they do their utmost to eliminate the word of God from this planet, Then in verses 5 and 6, John records a, a little hymn of praise, if you will, that celebrates what the risen Christ has done for us. No doubt, no doubt about his power, about how he feels about us. To him who loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And then our reading concludes with these words. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. There's no other God like this God. He is ruler over all. Now, there might be an emperor or other kind of leader claiming to have absolute power, but the Lord God Almighty, to him belongs all power over heaven and earth. Controlling all things, the beginning and end of all history, he has the last word about how this world will end. All the emperors, all of the leaders in our world, merely claim to be Lord and God. But they're nothing compared to the greatness of the Lord God Almighty. That's all brought out in the rest of that chapter, chapter 1, when Jesus appears to John and he's seen as emperor over all emperors, uh, lord and king over all lord and, lords and kings. And you see what's happening here. Early Christians and Christians of all time who have worried and have wondered about how they're going to survive the troubles in between. Now and the return of Jesus. They can rest assured that God Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, will always be there to strengthen and comfort and encourage us. Jesus promised in our Bible, one of the part of the Bible passage that we're studying this year, uh, Jesus promised, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The very end of the age. That means when the going gets tough in between now and the end of the age that all things that Jesus said will happen during these last days will happen and threaten us, but he promises that he will always be there. He promises that he has the power to help us. He promises that he's the one who gives us hope in the face of adversity. He promised to be with us when we read his word. He promises to be with us when we come to worship. He promises to be with us as we come to his table. He promises to be with us as we remember our baptism. There's a comforting thought from another passage of scripture, a psalm that very well may be talking about surviving in between now and the return of Jesus when he writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. In between now and the return of Jesus. You know, we don't live in this world alone. We have one another for encouragement and strength, but we don't live in this world alone. We have a strong and mighty Savior who is with us to the very end of the age and then on into eternity. May that truth give you hope and strength and peace when it seems like the chaos is overwhelming. That is his promise to you in between. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. You can find this and other sermons at stpaulslutheran.net and click on the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.